0: Treatment of early-stage cervical and endometrial cancer is associated with significant sexual difficulties in at least half of women following hysterectomy. The success in treating these cancers has resulted in a focus on quality of life issues during remission. What can we do to help these women? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Lunt, and with me today is Dr. Lori Brado. Dr. Brado is an assistant professor in the University of British Columbia's Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, as well as a registered psychologist in Vancouver, Canada. She's a director of the UBC Sexual Health Laboratory, where research primarily focuses on developing and testing psychological and psychoeducational interventions for women with sexual desire and arousal difficulties. She's also the associate editor for sexual and relationship therapy and on the editorial boards of the Archives of Sexual Behavior, the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy, and the International Journal of Sexual Health. Welcome to Reach MD, Lori.
1: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
0: How big of a problem is sexual dysfunction in women that have gynecological cancer?
1: Well, it's a common problem that affects many women across ages and across gynecologic cancer types. Common changes are in the area of sexual arousal where women will say that they have lost sensitivity when their genitals are stimulated. Many of the women may say that it feels as though their partner is touching their elbow. It doesn't feel like their partner is touching their genitals. So there's that real loss of genital sensation that's specific to sexual stimulation. And as a result of the changes in arousal, many of these women also have difficulties reaching orgasm or have orgasm that is, by their description, somewhat muted in its intensity. We also know that pain with sexual intercourse, otherwise known as dyspareunia, is another very common problem, especially in women who've received radiation therapy to the pelvic region. But I think that the most common problem that, that we see, and certainly in the literature, is in the area of sexual drive or sexual interest, where these women will say they're no longer interested in being sexual, perhaps they're now avoidant of sexual activity, they mourn the loss of their spontaneous sexual desire that they once had. And, and again, I think this is probably the most common complaint that we see with, with gynecologic cancers.
0: I wonder, Lori, is it the the disease or the cure? So is it the cancer? Is it a result of the hysterectomy or the radiation therapy? It, or can we even know? Yeah,
1: that's a very good question and one that has been studied in, in a variety of different ways in the literature. And although the literature is not completely consistent, it does appear that there are some effects that are due to the hysterectomy itself and some effects that are due to the cancer itself. For example, we know that in women who are receiving hysterectomy for benign conditions such as fibroids, there's often an improvement in their sexual response. Now, they're no longer bleeding and they're no longer experiencing abdominal pain or bloating. However, for women with gynecologic cancer, hysterectomies are more often than not, likely to be radical and involve more nerve damage. So, of course, with that, there is more of a negative effect on sexual function. We also know that women who are at risk for ovarian cancer or who are completing their childbearing may also have their ovaries removed along with hysterectomy, so a bilateral salpingo oophorectomy. And with the removal of the androgen hormones and the estrogens that, that comes along with this surgery this has detrimental effects on sexual function, but we, we do know that even above and beyond the effects of either of these surgeries, there's certainly a negative impact of having the cancer diagnosis itself and all of the different ways that this might affect a woman's sense of who she is as a person, as a, as a sexual woman, etc. So it's, it really is multifaceted, the ways in which cancer can affect a woman's
0: sexuality. So psychosocial issues, hormonal issues, nerve damage issues, the whole ball of wax.
1: That's right. Exactly.
0: Tell us about your work in this area.
1: Sure. So I'm very interested in psychological interventions. And in part, this is because the data that have looked at Viagra and other hormonal agents for sexual problems with cancer has not been very promising So we know that simply increasing blood flow to women's genitals is is not sufficient for restoring or even improving their sexual function. So I'm, I'm really interested in psychological techniques that are borrowed from other areas of sexuality and sex therapy and how they can be adapted to women with the experience of cancer. So, we have a number of treatment outcome studies here at the University of British Columbia where we recruit women at various points after they've been treated for gynecologic cancers. So, we have some studies that are specific to women with earlier stage cancers, things like cervical and endometrial, and then we have a a different study that's following women with more advanced stage cancers, such as ovarian cancer. And essentially, what the treatments involve, some are in group format and some are in an individual one-on-one format but essentially they involve a combination of giving women information information such as here are some common changes in sexuality that we, that we know happen with gynecologic cancer there's also a component on cognitive therapy so addressing many of the myths or maladaptive beliefs that have now arisen as a result of the cancer so some women adopt the belief that if they have intercourse, they can pass cancer on to their partners or being sexual may increase their risk of having cancer recur. And the list sort of goes on and on with respect to the number of maladaptive beliefs these women have. There's also a behavioral component to the treatment where we have women go home and practice a number of exercises both alone and with their partner that are designed to improve their awareness of their bodies. And, and really to tap into their sexual their remaining sexual response. And then the last component is mindfulness. And this is mindfulness meditation that's rooted in Eastern philosophies, teaching women how to be very much in the present, free of distractions, or at least how to deal with distractions when they are coming up. So we've pieced together these different components and put them together into a structured treatment program. And we've been testing this, this treatment program about over the, the past five years or so in, in different groups of women with gynecologic cancer with some pretty promising findings in terms of benefits.
0: If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Lori Brado, the recipient of a Scholar Career Award from the Michael Smith Foundation for Health Research. We're discussing interventions for sexual dysfunction in female cancer patients. Lori, what have you found in terms of results, outcomes in these women?
1: Pretty promising findings. Before I tell you what the main results are, I'll preface that by saying that we ask women in a variety of ways how they may have responded to the treatment. So the traditional route of, of having them fill out questionnaires, we also do an in-depth personal interview where they can tell us in their own words how they may or may not have benefited. And then we also bring them into our laboratory and measure their actual genital responses. So they come into a lab, they insert something called a vaginal photoplethysmograph, which is inserted vaginally and provides an indirect measure of, of genital sexual arousal. They'll then watch some films, some of which contain erotic content, and then we administer this measure both before, after, and six months after the treatment to see if there's been any actual change in, mm-hmm. in physiological ability to, be, to become sexually aroused. And across the studies, we certainly see evidence of an improvement on, on a number of different domains. Mood is improved, sense of well-being goes up, uh, amount of sexual distress dramatically decreases. And then in the domain of specific aspects of sexual response, we've seen an improvement in sexual desire, physical arousal, subjective arousal, orgasmic function. In some of the research we've done, we've seen a decrease in pain. In one of our studies, we found an improvement in physiological sexual arousal. And then across the studies, the qualitative feedback or the interview feedback from these women has been very positive along the lines of, you know, this really should be packaged in a way that can be given to women at the time of of their diagnosis or as they're going through cancer as a way to you know, preempt any, any sexual difficulties that, that may occur.
0: And speaking of that, so for those of us that don't have the luxury of referring to you in Vancouver, how can we incorporate what you do in your center in our private practices seeing these women?
1: I think one of the important things, and this was certainly borne out in the feedback, was the importance of talking about sexuality right from the beginning. This doesn't mean that there is going to be an in-depth discussion about all of the different ways the cancer might impact the woman because there are some women who are not impacted sexually following a gynecologic cancer but some mention of it in some way in a normalizing way that it it is common to experience sexual changes and if you do there are resources available for you also to that end having resources available at your fingertips so knowing who whether the sexual medicine physicians or the sexual counselors or sex therapists or nurses in your area that you could be able to refer these patients to if they if, if they want more information. And talking to them about it at, at different stages throughout their, their treatment, at the beginning, during, after, because it, it's not one of those things that's very easy to bring up. There's a lot of taboo and a lot of embarrassment around talking about it. So it may take a number of times of, of gently broaching the issue before a patient feels comfortable enough to say, you know, I'm, I'm having some real problems in this area and I need help.
0: So bottom line is don't wait for the patient to bring it up. We need to continually bring it up. Exactly. Yes. What further research are you hoping to do in this area?
1: We're very intrigued by the findings with mindfulness. So one of our plans is to expand the mindfulness component and look at it in much more detail Another aspect that I'm very interested in is, is what role the partner plays. So until now, the treatment itself has been with just with the woman. Of course, she's asked to go home and, and include her partner in the information and in the exercises, but the partner has not been present to date in the treatment sessions. So in the future, that's a direction I'd like to expand on is incorporating the partner, having some specific targeted information to the partner, itself, uh, him, him or herself, throughout the treatment.
0: Makes sense. Well, thank you so much for sharing your work with us today. Thank you very much for having me. We've been talking with Dr. Lori Brado from the University of British Columbia about interventions in women with sexual dysfunction secondary to gynecological cancers. Again, the bottom line is don't wait for these cancer patients to tell you about their sexual problems. Intervene early and often. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. If you register with the promo code RADIO, you'll receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions or questions, give us a call at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Dr. James Jones with Rutgers University in New Jersey, and you are listening to Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals.